Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about the 2017 biopic, I, Tanya, directed by Australian filmmaker Craig Gillespie, who also directed Cruella... And 2011's Fright Night remake and Lars and the Real Girl. I could definitely vouch for Fright Night and Lars and the Real Girl. And I've heard Cruella's actually, like, kind of subversive and cool, but I can't vouch for that yet. I'm not going to find that out on my own. (laughs) I'll find it out someday. (laughs) But anyway, I was surprised by all that. Those are all very different movies. Yeah, that's what a bad career. And even more perplexingly, it was written by a man called Stephen Rogers, who wrote Hope Floats. Oh. And Leopold and Whoa. Stepmom. So this is wow. kind of out of his wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, wow. he nailed it. Yeah. He actually did interview Tanya and Lavana and Jeff Galu. You know, he interviewed all those people for real mm-hmm. before writing the script. So I think there's a lot of direct quotes in those interview segments, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sure there's a bit of Hollywooding, but I mean, I think the perspectives are all accurate. I, Tanya tells the story of a competitive figure skater named Tanya Harding, who got her start in Portland, Oregon, or a suburb of Portland, basically, and who was never fully accepted in the figure skating community because she didn't embody the desired image of grace and breeding and privilege that the sport generally rewarded. And then she was later known as being connected to an attempt on Nancy Kerrigan's physical, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> a kneecapping. A kneecapping. <laughs> an attack on I mean, att- you know, yeah. yeah. She was connected to that incident, although she maintains that she knew nothing about it. And I believe her. <laughs> Hashtag believe Tanya. You don't believe her? Uh, not necessarily, no. Okay, well, that's interesting. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it'll come up. This movie came out in 2017. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Maybe I did. I feel as like soon as it did. Did we I, it together? No, but I remember Brugos reporting that it was overhyped by Amy Green. <laughs> that it was oh, so okay. Because remember, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. talked it up. The, I think it was you were going to wait, but then saw it because I hyped it up so much. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. And then, I mean, I fucking loved it the first time I saw it, so I think Burgess and I had a different perspective. But I think he was a little bit just joking mm-hmm. with my head. You know, like someone asked, was it overhyped? And he's like, well, it was overhyped by Amy Green. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Right. So, what about you, Christina? What did you see it? Oh, I saw it in the theater at Uptown in Queen Anne. That was my favorite theater to go to. I loved it. I thought it was just so good. And the casting and Just, like, all the music in it was really awesome and, like, just so perfect for the time and the scene. And I was thoroughly entertained and also I felt a lot of sympathy for Tanya Harding. I don't think she knew about the attack. I don't know for sure, but... Oh, maybe um, that was a good time to talk about that. We're going to get right into it. (laughs) Let's talk about that. I find it hard to believe that she did. I mean, I I just, I want to say, like, I have a lot of sympathy for her. 
in this movie, you know, but I find it hard to believe that that happened and she didn't know anything about that. It doesn't ring true to me that her bodyguard and her husband would just plan this thing and not mention it to her and she doesn't know anything about it. Like, I just didn't really find that believable, you know. I do think it's an important piece of evidence, like them finding the paper where she wrote the in her handwriting the name of the I love that she thinks yeah. it's tuna can, like but yeah. <laughs> like that she wrote down where mm -hmm. Nancy practices in the times. Nancy Kerrigan trains at Tuna Can Arena. She just said okay. that. Well who's gonna name an arena tuna can? Fishermen. Everyone's fishermen in Massachusetts. Fucking call her back and out. Hi, Vera. It's Tanya again. Mm-hmm. Our machine's a piece of crap. Could you just tell me where Nancy Kerrigan trains again? Yeah, I have a stupid bet with Jeff. It's not fucking easy. Tony Kent. Thank you. Tony Kent. Tony Kent Arena. Not Tony Kent. Tony Kent Arena. It's the same fucking thing. I think it's kind of hard to explain that away. She she maintains that he made a bet with her on purpose to get her to find out that information. Maybe. I mean, I mean she might have, like, okay. So I, I would go as far as believing that she, maybe in her heart of hearts, knew they were planning some shit, but didn't right. think they could pull it off because of how clearly inept they, they are. Tanya, you still want this to happen, right? I can still make this happen. I really don't care, Sean. I clearly have bigger shit to fry. Who cares, you big fat fuck? You can't make it happen anyway. I'm on your side, Tanya. You're not a secret agent. You're not a hitman. You're just a fat nobody gas bag who still lives with his parents and drives a 76 Mercury, gets laughed at behind his back, and has never been laid. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. I always bring this perspective of, like, how deep denial can go, you know, mm -hmm. because that's my family's favorite thing. <laughs> but, um, it's hard for me to believe that she didn't on any level at all, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, but it also could be like they talked about it and she didn't really think they were serious. I certainly relate to that. I'm sure everybody has had a thing where they joke about killing somebody or kneecapping somebody and they don't think that they're having a serious conversation, you know, I mean. Totally. Yeah, so I'm saying like if she's going to say, I didn't know anything about this, I was not involved in this at all, that is hard for me to believe. Yeah. I mean, I guess therein lies the problem with uh, why the courts punished her so harshly for yeah. not actually doing anything, for conspiracy, right. basically. It's such an insanely harsh punishment. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me so oh God, that, hard, yeah. is that scene, which is really what she said in the court. Tanya Harding, you're hereby sentenced to three years probation. $100,000 fine plus $10,000 to the DA's office for special costs. Another $50,000 to set up a fund for the Special Olympics. 500 hours community service, a psychological evaluation. And your immediate resignation from the U.S. Figure Skating Association, banning you for life from all figure skating association competitions and events. All I did was the hindering of prosecution. What? That you're never, never gonna let me skate again? I can't ever, I mean, I'd rather do the jail time, please. The, they, they only got 18 months. They got, they got 18 months, I, I'll do that. You can't. Your Honor, I don't have an education. All I know is skating. That's all I know. 
and I, I am no one if I can't, if I can't. It's okay. You, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not some monster. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do the best with what I know how to. Ms. And Harding. you're giving me, a, it's like you're giving me a life sentence if you do that. You can't do that. Miss Harding, that's enough. You can't, please, because just, just send me to jail and then I can still skate. I've given just you. Just send my, me to jail and then I've I can still skate. I've given you my decision. Thank you. Oh God, it, uh, yeah. it's so painful. They took her life away. And then, okay, so I started digging into this a little bit and there's this podcast I really like called You Were Wrong About. Is it Michael Hobbs? He does that maintenance phase show too. I, I okay, want to check I, it out, but yeah. Sarah Marshall is the other one. And the impetus of the podcast started because she wrote something about Tommy Harding in 2014 for the Believer magazine or Believer magazine that was basically like, you're wrong about Tanya Harding. And he read that and got in touch with her and then they became like friends and started talking about all of the other maligned women from the 90s and kind of revisiting those stories and looking at them from a modern perspective. And I read that piece today and I highly recommend anyone who's even remotely interested in this subject looking it up. It's very, very well written. And it talks a lot more about Nancy than I, Tanya goes into yeah. as well. It kind of compares and contrasts the two skaters more. The movie actually was pretty soft on her trauma, even though it really showed a lot of her trauma, because this is something they didn't mention, really. After the attack, Jeff threatened Tanya by holding a gun to her head and letting two other men rape her, and then <gasps> oh raping her God. himself and telling her that Ugh. he would kill her if she told anybody about it. This is just Tanya saying this, but, like, why would she make that up? Wow. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why it's in the movie that Jeff didn't corroborate it, but, and they're trying to be fair and balanced right. or whatever, but I think all of that, like, even if she knew about it, and she did go to the police eventually, right. but she also didn't trust police in general and authority figures in general, which they do go into the movie, because anytime she called them for domestic abuse, they would just leave her there right. with her abusive yeah. husband. She didn't say anything about the blood. Took two guns out of the truck and alcohol, and then just placed me there with him. Which is why I don't trust the authorities or anyone. So, like, Ashley took a lot of courage to go to the police at all for about this, and the fact that she did that, I mean, that really, I think, lends a lot of credence to her <laughs> claims that he, she was just terrified of this guy. Right. The Sarah Marshall article kind of insinuates that he was getting revenge on her for leaving him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, like no he theory. basically like got the ultimate revenge because he did literally destroyed her entire life yeah. by doing this. And but but he was like, I was doing it for you. What could uh, be more classic abuser than that? Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. No matter how much she knew, I feel like it's like she should get the biggest pass in the world for this. Oh, right, yeah. And I'm not <laughs> saying that. For me, this movie's primarily more than anything about abuse, you know, yeah. about a victim of abuse. It's really neither here nor there to me how much she knew or didn't know. <sighs> yeah. Another interesting tidbit from the Sarah Marshall article is that not only was Nancy just starting from more of a place of privilege. She also got the attention of Vera Wang, who apparently mm. was a former figure skater who made her outfits for her for oh, free. Jesus. Yeah, well, I remember that. Tanya, like, 
like get better outfits. Rich people don't have to pay for stuff, you know. Like we do things yeah. like that. Yeah. Pretty people, because she wasn't right. like she was like middle class, yeah. so she couldn't afford to pay their wedding designer mm -hmm. outfit. But like she already had nice outfits. Yeah, and it shows yeah. Tanya cobbling together her outfits like yeah, okay. at a sewing machine and just doing it all by hand by herself. Yeah, and, and her mom apparently made her outfits for her when she was yeah. younger. I remember watching the Olympics and it really was like the press loves to make feuds between women and like have these rivalries and it was like the trashy girl versus the ice princess. She just really got a raw deal, I think. She had the most to lose and they made sure that she lost everything. I mean, there are players that are abusers in the NFL. People mm -hmm. go to jail. Michael Vick went to jail. He got out of jail and mm -hmm. played for the Eagles. Right, right. And like I the mean, only people who get kicked out of the NFL are more people who like, get busted right. for weed or something. Right. They get blackballed like Colin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, like the big difference too is like other people can make money off of those players and can't really say the same for figure skating. Right, but it is that they delay any trial or whatever until after the Olympics, you know, when she's like, you think they were not going to let that happen? Right, like, yeah. Right. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so they're just... Up. Everyone was just salivating for these stories. Right. Another interesting thing from the Sarah Marshall article is how at first before they knew anything about her personal life, press about her was positive. Like, they basically said all the same stuff, painted in a positive light of, like, how her mom made her outfits for her, mm. and she's coming from this poor working-class household. And then as soon as they decided they didn't like her anymore, they were like, she makes her own outfits, ew. And yeah. her sister was a prostitute, digging all this dirt up that is not at all relevant. Isn't this a sport? And athleticism right. should be the most important thing here, but it absolutely is not. I mean, hot props, real-life hot props, for me are the Olympics in general and absolutely like the elitism of the Olympics and the jingoistic perspective yeah. and how they're trying to paint the American dream story and it's like if you don't fit our narrative it doesn't matter how good at skating you are we can't use you and it's also a sport where it's not like where you're running and it's just the time is they tell her on the ice like the judge is like we also judge on presentation, and it's yeah. like, what does that mean? Right, That's very totally. subjective. And, and just the starting point of, like, to play, like, basketball or to run, like, you don't really need equipment or anything special, you know, like... To learn to skate or to practice skating, like, you need a place to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, skiing is another one that's, like, kind of a bougie, well, no, not bougie, no, what, what's the word they used to see instead? Like, a Tony sport. Elitist. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to do it at all takes a bunch of money. Yeah. Golf. Some people, it's just, like, prohibitive to even try to just get your foot in the door is too much there's only so many places where you can find an ice rink like in mm -hmm. florida like i think there's one in orlando or something that's like two and a half hours away it's also at the same time so typical of how we treat women in particular <laughs> yeah. in this country in the media yeah and, and how she was like also fat shamed when she was which is oh so I, mean, I remember that too she yeah has, like, big muscular thighs and right. that's how she performs the fucking triple because <laughs> you need to be able to launch yourself straight into the air <laughs> her athleticism is you would think unquestionable but instead right. they're like they put everything into question because they just don't like her and like the u.s gymnastics association is kind of doing the same thing to simone biles right now like she landed yeah. some like crazy jump that yeah. no one's ever landed and i think there's a lot of like racism involved in that too Absolutely. but also like with 
Tanya, she comes from a really poor, uneducated background. It's classism. Yeah, like classism. It's like we allegedly love a rags to riches story. Yeah. Chef story, but then it's like really like. She's not the right kind of poor person. (laughs) Yeah, like that's what it is. Not be from the wrong side of the tracks or something. It's very hard to get it just right, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He has to eat Molly Ringwald. Oh my god, I know. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. Do you guys have any hot probs? My mild hot props are sometimes I feel like it's potentially too sympathetic to Jeff or then also like mm. like her mom. Some of the stuff with her mom feels like it's played for laughs a little bit when it's like she's like just so abusive, you know. But I was like the character is funny and a lot, you know, a lot of my like meaningful passages are her lines. But I don't know. I mean, I think that they're in a hard position to make a movie about this where there's a lot that's just based on one person's word or not. But I feel like Jeff kind of comes across like I don't know I mean I well I mean he doesn't come across like a good guy to me because they show him like being (laughs) very abusive a lot but I feel like you could read it a little bit as like Jeff is basically a decent guy who got in a very passionate relationship you know I feel like sometimes like abuse is shown like it takes two to tango you know that like absolutely fire and ice well that's why I usually hate this kind of thing in a movie but I don't mind it here where he's kind of telling his story of like oh yeah well sure I hit her but one time she went after me with a shotgun and while they're doing that flashback she's like this never fucking happened (laughs) I never hit her that's not me I'm uh I'm actually a pretty meek guy. Um, he hit me up, back the wall, fired a gun at me too. This is bullshit. I never did this. I like that because it's like, well, we'll tell his story, but right. we're gonna make sure you know that it's probably bullshit. That's funny. Yeah. You, I usually hate a lot of fourth walls. I think fourth oh, wall is fourth annoying okay. in general to me. Oh, I kind of like for it. I, I would think like, you meant like, because like so specifically, the only time I remember that is also in 24-hour party people. There's a scene where the guy's like, I have no recollection of this ever. But but you mean yeah. just a general fourth wall break. Yeah. I kind of like it. I kind of liked it. I do like or where Lavana's like, well, my storyline is disappearing. <laughs> what the fuck? I thought it was pretty funny. To me, that was a little bit like too, I don't know, meta, I guess. <laughs> and I like meta a lot of the time, but it just feels a little overboard for me. Where mm-hmm. it was like, it just feels like it's trying too hard. Right. But yeah, the one time I really liked it was the shotgun thing because yeah. it was just like, let's immediately debunk this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because Sebastian Stan is kind of like a beloved actor. I don't what know else is he? I don't know him. The Winter Soldier, so he's a Marvel guy. Oh. And he apparently met with Jeff Galuli in real life and talked to him. So maybe he was putting a little more sympathy into it than mm-hmm. he even knew he was doing. Maybe subconsciously was doing that. But if you're just looking from incident to incident, what happens? I like to think he's trying to play a guy who is a bad guy but thinks he's the good guy. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of gray area there in terms of what the intention of the filmmakers. That's what I was getting out of his performance was that he was playing it as straight as possible of like, this is what this guy really thinks of himself. Yeah, I see that. I don't have an issue with his performance. I like barely have this prob, you know, Mm -hmm. a lukewarm prob. Unless you're going to say like, okay, we are making this movie like from Tanya's point of view of what she said. Or there's some things that nobody knows what's true or not. It's speculation in a sense. Yeah, like with the interviews with them, they're both kind of 
talk as if they're sort of blameless somehow, yeah. but it's like, how did we get here? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, well, especially her mom. Yeah. Oh God, her mom. I, I saw this clip about, I guess Tanya did a big long interview around the time the movie came out talking about how mm-hmm. her mother was abusive and like she would drink like half a thermos of brandy and half coffee. And Lavana says, I liked the flavoring. Sorry to disappoint you, but you can't get drunk <laughs> off of that. What? <laughs> and, I, and I was just like, wow, this I woman can. is really like... Just a into- bunch of deluded abusers. Right. Yeah, abusive people don't think that they're abusive. I don't think that's a thing at all, ever, that an abusive person knows that about themselves. Oh, yeah. They feel that they're totally justified. Like, she felt like she needed to berate her daughter or pay for, like, a heckler. Yeah, she She, literally says, like, she skates better when she's angry, so I need to make her angry. Yeah. A child sometimes wants to be corrected. Answer me when I talk to you. When I felt this, I gave her criticisms. Right, when she's like, I wouldn't stay with someone who hit me, and she goes, you hit dad. I don't know, Tony. I would never be with someone who fucking hit me. You hit dad. That's different. Like, that's an abuser's mentality. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's different when I do it. It's like a look what you made me do. Yeah. And in the movie, she says, her mom says she only hit her once, but definitely Tanya says that she got hit all the time by her mom, too. And she denies the knife throwing like that scene was like she has a scar from it i thought though right doesn't she i'm sure it was self-inflicted <laughs> right does anyone else have probs i couldn't get over that guy sean's parents she's recording cnn <laughs> for him and like dialing all these num- like she must be totally deluded too she's like yeah. worshiping her son who she thinks is a mastermind or something like he's totally one of those coen brothers idiot criminal kind of like yeah well i'd argue both sean and jeff are like that yeah coen brother character is that irl so it's not funny right and the other guy too the guy who actually does oh yeah you know like moving his car a bunch of times Oh, you guys are definitely straight out of Bowen Brothers. Like, what was that other guy there? He's trying to sneak out and he, like, breaks the whole glass door, like, smooth. And then he's always listening to It was just so random. It was hilarious. It's a great song. I love that song. It is a banger. It's a true banger. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I do have one other, like, tiny hot prop kind of, which is just the the way they were giving... I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but the way they were giving her shit for her outfits being ugly. Like, skating outfits are all ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I just was like, what are you talking about? They all look like that. It made me think of early, early season of Project Runway. Actually, maybe first season. One of the challenges was to make a figure skating costume oh. for some at the time Olympic skater, and like they were just also bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're always very weird. They always remind me of like Mork from Ork. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit right. hard that uh, Allison Janney winning the Oscar. She was against Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird. Right. I don't really love Lady Bird, but I love Laurie. Metcalf. I did. It's like we shouldn't have to choose between these two. Yeah. I mean, she's great. I'm not trying yeah. to take away from her. Of course. Like... Next call. 
I loved Bobby Cannavale, <laughs> the hard copy. I know, yeah. Like, I wasn't entirely sure what he was doing there, and then it's like, we should definitely get Bobby Cannavale involved. Is he, like, a journalist or something? He's a hard copy yeah. journalist. Hard copy? And okay. he, I love the line where he's like, yeah, we were from a news outfit that other news looked down on and later became. Well, I was a reporter for Hard Copy, a pretty crappy show that uh, the legitimate news outlets looked down on and then became. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what news is right. now, you know? It's all yeah, just... Yeah, like the stuff that used to be considered like the trashy shows is like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Inside Edition, right? That was Bill O'Reilly yeah. and they like built a whole network around that idea. Right. Be remember. afraid of everything in life. <laughs> current, a current affair a current or affair. with Maureen <laughs> O'Hara or something. I remember that. Was it Maury Povich on one of those like before he had... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I Maybe. think so. What a weird niche you carved out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that all those talk yeah. shows kind of also paved the way yeah. for modern journalism. And also the internet, though, just yeah. like that that became the expectation. Like the 24-hour news cycle. Right. Like, you have to get the story out immediately. You and know? you have so much time to fill. Like he said, he would slash her tires or get her truck towed just yeah. to get her shot. The constant thread of like, you have to just feed content constantly on right. the news. I remember like that was always on the news and then like they they showed it in the movie about like the trucks packing up mm -hmm. because yeah. the O.J. Simpson yeah. murders were yeah. happening and like that became the next obsession yeah. that yeah. we had. I liked seeing him in that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah I always like seeing him. <laughs> 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 He's in my top five, for sure. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think her mine are all either Lavana or Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me a lot, like just the first scene in the skating rink when she says no smoking and she goes, I'll smoke it quietly then. I am so sorry, but there's no smoking on the ice. Oh, well. I'll smoke it quietly then. <laughs> <laughs> She's a soft four. <laughs> How old are you, honey? She's a soft four. And also, I didn't swear you cunt. Yeah, those, I wrote. Those were my big three from that. I do love I didn't swear you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Call that a clean skate for Christ's sake. Do not swear in front of the kids, please, Nirvana. I didn't swear you cunt. I liked lick my ass, Diane. She can do a fucking triple. <laughs> Nirvana. You want to work with me a little? 23 students I train so I can coach Tanya full time. Yeah, and I waitress full time to pay for your coaching. Yes, but she's not my child. No, she's mine, and I'm not throwing my money away so she can fit in with these little shits. And, it's not uh, just about fitting in, it's about how she's growing up. Lick my ass, Diane. She can do a fucking triple. I mean, my most meaningful, like one of my most meaningful passages ever, because this, when I saw this movie in the theater, I was not prepared for how hard this movie was going to hit me, but when she says the line, Nancy gets hit one time. Why? Why? And a whole world shits. For me, it's an all-the-time occurrence. I was a fucking mess for the rest of the movie after she said that. So, I mean, that's like probably one of my favorite lines of any movie ever. Earlier than that, she says, my mom hits me, she loves me. Then he would say it would never happen again, but I figured, my mom hits me, she loves me. Well, I wrote down, if I wanted something, I had to come up with a way to get it. We didn't have a lot of fun growing up. I mean, we never went to, you know, Disneyland or on trips. If I wanted something, I had to come up with a way to get it. 
which I feel like is just so telling of mm-hmm. her whole entire life. Like, she never had anything handed to her, literally. Like, right. She had to work so hard for every single thing. And if we really do love bootstrap stories so much, then <laughs> why did we treat her like this? Right. Because, like, almost literally bootstraps. <laughs> right. right. Laces. Yeah. Laces. Right. She pulled herself up by her fucking skate laces <laughs> into the air and then spun around three and a half times. Right. <laughs> I liked that when Jeff was talking about the Omis oh and how he's scared of the Omis, oh she says, you're so fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Really she funny. wasn't like, you're cute. She was yeah, like, that's dumb. you're being dumb. I ever tell you what I was most afraid of growing up? No. Oh mys. Oh mys? Yeah. You know, like in the uh, Wizard of Oz when they say lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Oh my. My brother convinced me that oh mys were going to come in the middle of the night and eat me alive. You're so fucking dumb. I really love Paul Walter Hauser, the Sean character. Just the delusion of he's like, so these are my two top operatives, you know? <laughs> and he said like, uh, well, Jeff wants to call it off. And he said, you cannot call this baby off. It has moving parts. Derek needs expense money. You know what? Shane will Call also- Derek and tell him we're calling the whole thing off. No. Sweetie, the death threat's off. Whatever. Whoa. You cannot call this thing off. This baby has moving parts. Balls are already being played with. That's too bad. Balls are already being played with. <laughs> I loved that. I had a hard time laughing at him, though, just because... I think maybe I probably laughed it at the first time more when I watched it, but then because it's just such a big punch at the end, I just couldn't find that guy funny anymore. It's like, <laughs> he is delusional, and maybe it'd be funny if he hadn't ruined a woman's life because right. of it, but he did, so fuck that guy. <laughs> right. I thought it was funny, like, how everyone is so inept in their response to, like, right. questions, you know? And the FBI asks, who's Derek? And Tanya says, I don't know any Derek. And Jeff says, I know lots of Dereks. <laughs> 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 no one knows just one, though. <laughs> that was a really funny you're gonna have to be more specific. Right. I like Jeff can talk his way out of anything, never talk to him. <laughs> Jeff can talk his way out of anything. Never talk to him. I really like Margaret Robbie's delivery on that line. Oh yeah, I forgot my yeah. other meaningful passage was you two fuck yet. <laughs> <laughs> this one can't garden to save her life. You're gonna have to do all the gardening there, fella. Mom. What? You two fuck yet? Very inappropriate, I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's... <laughs> it's funny because I feel like that's what anyone is thinking when you meet a newly dating couple. Right, yeah. <laughs> you can't say it. Also, one that just really fucking hit me was no one really asks me about that anymore. When she's talking about the triple axel. Aw, yeah. She's like, no one thought I could do it. Fuck you, I did it. And then she wipes a tear away and is like, no one really asked me about that anymore. I can't describe how that felt. There, I mean, there were people standing up. I mean, I was just, for the first time, I knew, I knew I was the best figure skater in the world at one point in time. Sorry, no one ever really asks me about this anymore. That's terrible. Like, they always ask her about this instead. They always ask her about the incident instead of 
for skating. Another part that got me was at, like one of the competitions, a little girl comes up to her and she's like, I want to be a skater just like you. And she goes, well, hey, I hope you mean it. <laughs> and it was just really unexpected response. She didn't really get a lot of like positive attention, I don't no. think. And when she was saying like, people smile at me now, like told Jeff that she just never had any positive yeah. reinforcement I guess that scene just made me wonder how shocked she was that maybe like a little girl would compliment her or something like that's yeah. maybe that's out of left field for her or something or... yeah it probably didn't happen nearly as yeah Nancy. yeah and yeah the people smile at me now it's so that's telling so heartbreaking too because probably people could tell that she was working class by her clothes and that sort of thing and her hair even as a little girl people probably didn't smile at her until she was a famous figure skater. <laughs> and even then, it wasn't very long-lived. And it's just so fucked up who people decide to give attention to yeah. based on immediate judgment. The scene where she lets her mom in and there are all these reporters in the background and her mom secretly has a tape recorder, but she's, like, saying, I'm proud of you, you did good, and... Children who have, like, abusive parents, no matter how abusive they are, you still want, like... There's some, it defies logic sometimes, like the fealty to parents, you know, but I, you know, it just, this is heartbreaking to see her thinking her mom's being genuine and she's trying to pump her for info, (laughs) you know? That seems really killer. Real heartbreaker. I do like in the beginning when she says you look good, like you look young with your hair. Really high. And she's like, I'm 23. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time, why can't it just be about skating? Because I just feel that. I mean, I I can't give myself credit for like seeing things the correct way back then, but I do remember always feeling that way about any skating competition like someone would do these amazing this amazing routine that looked so incredible and they get these low ass scores and be so upset (laughs) that was so fucked up and i remember the shoelace thing i remember watching that live oh wow and feeling like they were being dicks to her because i was like any little fucking thing can go wrong i definitely had so much sympathy for her in that moment just one little thing that you cannot control it's not your fault can go wrong and you can prepare your whole life for something and that'll go wrong, and if you don't get judges giving a shit, right. that's it. Yeah. Right, it's, like, so crazy. It's all for nothing. It's like, okay, <laughs> like, you have one minute or whatever. It's like, really? what? Why? Like, this, uh-huh. is, this is the big thing. Take the time you need to tie your skate. Do the judges have plans after that they can't wait an extra couple minutes for <laughs> yeah. to be perfect? Apparently, she had custom skates that helped her pull off the triple axle. And so her laces were like not standard length. They were a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that easy to get a replacement, but they moved her later in the program and they figured out that they could do that. But their first inclination was to be like, fuck you, no. <laughs> you have to get back out there right now and do it as is. Cause they already had that judgment of her. And then of course, when she did it later, she didn't get very high scores and her confidence was all shaken. Right. And I'm sure that they had that stuff in mind, too. I know that you guys don't like me, but I'm landing all my jumps out there. Tanya, it's never been entirely about the skating. I'll deny I ever said it, honey, but you're just not the image that we want to portray. You're representing our country, for fuck's sake. We need to see a wholesome American family, and you... You just refuse to play along. 
I don't have a wholesome American family. Why can't it just be about the skating? There's absolutely 100% bias from the judges. Mm -hmm. Like, there's the technical stuff, but that's not the majority of the score. Like, there's things that they have to be honest about, but then they don't have to be honest about the other stuff, like the style and the whatever. Boys. Mm. So subjective anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be just about the skating. It's a skating competition. It's not a fucking fashion show. Right. (laughs) And even the music, like that scene where this one girl, her routine is to classical music, and then Tanya gets on the ice, and it's like, skating to ZZ Top's sleeping bag. And it's just... She didn't fit that mold. And I like that she said in the beginning, like, I never apologize for being poor. I never apologize for growing up poor, being a redneck, which is what I am. Um, you know, in a sport where the friggin' judges want you to be this old-timey version of what a woman's supposed to be. I don't know if there are rules, like, with what kind of music you have to play, but there it's like an unspoken thing, or...? Lyrics. It has to oh. be instrumental. Oh. But other than that, there aren't really rules, but there are unspoken rules of, like, class mm-hmm. it up. Right. And then, again, in that Sarah Marshall piece, I read that in the same program where she got shit for using the Jurassic Park theme, which is awesome, by the way. Right. That's a fucking classic piece of music that everyone recognizes, and how fucking cool is that? I actually don't <laughs> yeah. know that music. It's a but really I don't great piece of music. I only ever saw that movie but then in that same program, another skater used the love theme from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, God. Like, how, is that, <laughs> how is that any better? More classy. Right. And it's always like, who do they think the audience is? Like, people people would love to see the Olympics and someone skating to ZZ Top, you know? So who do you think is watching this? Right. Like, this can only be classic. I mean, I don't know. It's just... Everyone's too stupid. Right. Everyone is too stupid, and also there's different rules for poor people. And that's just how, that's absolutely... Right, right. If a poor person does it like it's trashy, and if a rich person does it like it's... um, Interesting. Or what's, no, what's, the <laughs> what's the word that it is like crazy but for rich people? Like, it's like eccentric. Um, yes, eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you for defining that. Perfect. <laughs> uh. oh, my one other meaningful passage is I liked being married, just not to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. So, because we haven't heard from Kent in a while, Kent's not given us two sets lately, uh, but we do have another parent <laughs> of Annie Malone who has some very strong opinions. So this is Pat's Facts. Cue the jingle. Pat's Facts. Hi, Amy. I watched uh, Tanya tonight. Uh, just coincidentally, when I started looking around for it, they were playing it on a regular TV today between 5 and 7, so I just taped it and watched it tonight. Excuse me. <laughs> she took a sip of water. So I really enjoyed it. We didn't watch it when it first came out because we had just watched a documentary about Tanya Harding. I think it was one of those 30 for 30 on ESPN. Uh, but I thought it was terrific. I thought Alice and Janney was really great as the mother, and I think a story that's so tragic and sad and violent, they made it so funny. I mean, some of the lines in it were just really funny. Alice and Janney stabs her in the arm and then says, 
all families have their ups and downs. I thought that was a really good one. I don't know. She just had a lot of lines. And she was such a terrible mother. She should be in the encyclopedia of the bad mother who goes to <laughs> Tanya's house to try and tape her so she can give it to the FBI or the reporters, I guess. I wonder if all of that's true. Hard to say. I did not recognize Bobby Cannavale. I didn't know that was him until the end of the movie. But he had a really funny line, too, about the two biggest boobs in a story that's filled with nothing but boobs. <laughs> so I did think there was some fun in it. But the thing that really bothered me was that guy, her husband, Jeff, you know, he was so abusive, so terribly punching her around. And, and yet they made him seem like such a nice guy in a certain way. Yeah. I don't know if, if I can make that clear, but, you know, even at the end when he's talking about her, he goes, you know, I feel so bad that he ruined her career. It just seemed like such a normal person, but he was so terrible. So I think that's about all I have, but I did like it, and I will definitely listen to your podcast. The other thing I liked about it was the soundtrack, which usually I don't pay that much attention to or don't like, but I did like that one. So thanks for a good recommendation, and have fun talking about it tomorrow. Bye. There's a lot of like working class anthems on here, like Bad Company and Dire Straits and Super Tramp. Oh, uh, is that the Goodbye Stranger? Stranger. Yeah, Yo, I love that. And then I really, really love that Susie and the Banshees cover of the Passenger oh. credits with her actual skate. That's Aww. just, I mean, chills the whole time. I know. It's so Yeah, that was so good. And the final shot of her. I know. This is a hard watch It's for me so hard. Year. I think there's heart yeah, songs there's, in it, uh, too. And, there, 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 yeah. and then there's Devil Woman. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who sings that, Cliff but it was, is, it was yeah. so perfect. Shout out to Julianne Nichols, who was in Mirror of East oh, right. Town yeah, as coach. I thought she did a great job as her coach. That's funny because yeah. I had no idea who she was when I first saw Itania. <laughs> and then this time I was like, oh, it's her. <laughs> she recently said something in the press about how she was really pleased with the roles available to women now, and yeah. she hopes that the trajectory continues in an upward trend. Uh, Mary's Town was, I mean, yeah. I know you're never going to watch it, no. Annie Malone, but <laughs> it really is a great showcase for middle aged women performers. And they're all so raw. I loved it. I don't know. Yeah. I just really needed yeah, you don't middle aged energy. I just really liked it. <laughs> it I just really liked it. It was. Big menopause energy. Exactly. <laughs> like, and seeing Kate Winslet. It's such a different role for her, like an Eastern Pennsylvania cop. I don't know. I mean, it's so a different, different role from all for the anybody because it's never been done before. <laughs> right. I know. There's That's like so many hardened detective male fronted movies, but I enjoyed it. Allison Janney won Best Supporting Actress Oscar for this one. Apparently, she had trained as a child to be a figure skater. Really? When she was 17, she walked into a sliding glass door and injured her right leg. And she said in a 2014 interview with Terry Gross that the leg came close to being amputated. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And Margaret Robbie trained a lot. So a lot of the skating is her, but obviously not the triple axle. And in fact, the triple axle is 
digitally altered because there were only like four skaters at the time of shooting that could even land a triple axel and they didn't wow. want to risk being injured because they were obviously like bound for the Olympics. Right. Wow. wow. Tanya was the second woman in the world to land one and wow. the first American woman, which is so impressive. And since then, it's just still been a handful of women who could pull it off. A handful so one tiny woman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> one tiny woman. They showed the interview footage and it was actually verbatim to like the scenes yeah. earlier, like the guy's interview about incorrect I'm an expert or whatever yes. and then the part where Tanya's like I'm gonna whoop her butt yeah. <laughs> it's just really I, I thought that was cool they really did say that you know like yeah. those scenes are happening and I thought it was interesting where the postscripts at the end talking about what they're up to and Tanya wants everyone to know she's a good mother yeah, yeah. that was real heartbreaking yeah I know well, I bet she is I hope so. <laughs> did you already say the thing that you were going to say oh. before the lunchtime poll? Yes, I did. Because oh. the thing was about the digital triple axel. Oh, okay. Because that was an amazing thing that she did. And you can't take that away from her that she did that, no matter how yeah. much shit is lost at her. And I just love that she embraces that idea. Obviously, she's angry and sad, and she should be. But I feel like that's kind of her mantra. It's like, I did that shit, and I love that. And so... So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. The lunchtime poll question is, what shit did you do that makes you proud to say I did that shit? Mine is from high school. <laughs> I was on the swim team and I always loved swimming and I never did it competitively until high school. And I usually did the freestyle, but my coach, I don't know what the reason was, but I ended up being put on the 100 butterfly and that became my event that season towards the end of the season and I qualified for state in the districts like I got third and that meant you get to go to Fort Lauderdale and go and compete at state and I did that and I I feel like sometimes I'm like I am not very athletic these days and I just feel like oh my god I I recently got some stuff digitized like some old home movies and some of my swimming competitions were in it I was just like wow that was impressive you know like and uh I didn't think Yeah, (laughs) I just, yeah, so that's mine. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like Al Bundy or something. Like, (laughs) like he was like great in high school or whatever. But I'm just like, I'm like, can I ever be like that again? I would love to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I would love. It's definitely a time and a place for athletic feats. No one should expect to be able to do the same athletic feats when they're middle-aged. I know, I know. But yeah, no one can take it away from me. Exactly. <laughs> That's really cool. Mine is making the short film Snow Day Bloody Snow Day with my <laughs> best friend Vayroff. It was a pretty big deal. We like made a proper movie and we fundraised for it and I met my husband at the fundraiser which was pretty oh, great wow. also. Yeah. So I have just a lot of obviously fondness just surrounding that but also we had a whole crew. We hired some people who I see their names in local productions on TV like Shrill like people in Shrill and people wow. on Wow. Twin Peaks are people who worked on my movie. Nice. Like the location scout is the same as for Twin Peaks The Return as for Sony Bloody Sony. It's kind of a big deal to me. And we had real actors and we had craft services and we had locations and we did the whole craft thing. Service? And then we That's actually awesome. like submitted it to film festivals and we got into some film festivals and we went to some and we did Q and A's. Like we did the whole deal. 
And the idea was like we were going to, we had a script for a full feature length zombie comedy. We wanted to get investors to make that movie because we would have needed at least a million or two million to make a real proper feature. And at one point we were talking to Patton Oswalt and he said that if we got funding for the feature that he would be in it. But we didn't get funding. Oh my god. So like, for a hot minute, I was a real filmmaker, and I still think about that, and I'm proud of myself for that. And you were That's amazing. Of, like, zombie comedy thing, yeah. you know? Like, then that became a thing. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no. you probably thought about that before. <laughs> Did you know? Kind of, a little bit. Just a little time. <laughs> I watched four seasons of iZombie thinking about that, actually. <laughs> but I'm still proud of that. And if anyone wants a DVD, I still have a million. <laughs> that's aw- that's amazing like the craft services thing when you i just like think <laughs> about like that is real <laughs> movie shit anyone could have a bagel <laughs> no i'm just like wow my friend kasha's husband kirk worked on it i mean i remember hearing him talk about how much fun Wait, he had yeah yeah i knew about snow day bloody snow day before i met you it's hard to make a movie i feel like i've been a lot more generous in my movie reviews ever since making a movie myself because <laughs> it's hard Annie Maloon. All right. I still have like coin toss of which thing to go with, but I'm going to go with running a marathon. But I didn't start running till I turned 40. So I'm not going to go into my whole lifetime of like body stuff. <laughs> but I started running when I turned 40 and I got really into it. I don't know why I can't just get into things a normal amount. <laughs> After I had been running for a year, I ran a half marathon. Sometimes a baseline people are going for at a certain level is like to finish a half under two hours. And the first time I did a half I did it in 201 so then I was like now I feel like I gotta do it again to get (laughs) (laughs) that year I did like six half marathons and then uh it's a lot yeah so but like a marathon is so much more than a half marathon you know Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god 26 miles but I just got all in my head about it and I felt like it was something like if I don't go for it if I don't try to do it I'm always gonna wonder about if I could have done it. So I registered for the Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada one. It's in May every year. So I guess it was 42 because it was 2014. And I did like a real classic training. Like I was so dedicated to the exact schedule, like week one, you did, even though I was starting from probably week 10 of a typical training course, but I did it so by the book, but I was still have such a head case about it. So then went to Vancouver for that weekend and it was like super nice the day before the marathon. It was super nice the day after the marathon, the day of the marathon, it was super shitty weather. <laughs> and I debated what to wear. Like I had a cold weather outfit and a warmer weather outfit. Typically, you would rather yeah. be underdressed than overdressed for a race, right? Yeah. But what put me over the edge was my warmer weather outfit was like way more colorful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, this is what I got to do. So I was really glad I did that because the pictures, like I'm in like a yellow shirt and a purple skirt and like my pink leg warmers. I'm really glad that all my photos from it are in that. But anyway, so here's the thing. When you run a marathon... The hardest part is like the first three miles because, well, usually in a long distance run, the hardest part is the first couple of miles because it kind of takes a while for you to settle in, right? But then also like for a marathon, you're not going to give up at mile 23 because you have so much behind you. You know, it's like you say you wrote the check, you're going to cash it, right? But mm-hmm. like when you're two miles into a marathon, <laughs> it's, oh, you know, 
have 24 miles to go. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like I'm the opposite of the little engine that could because I'm always like, can't do it, give I up, stop. <laughs> but I remember, so I was two miles in thinking, you know what, today's just not my day, I'm going to stop. But then I was like, you know, I don't run with a phone or anything. I'm like, I have no idea where I am. I'm like, the, you know, that starts out as like you're in, it's still Vancouver, but it's like residential part. I'm like, I literally have no idea where I am and I don't have a phone on me. So I'm like, I guess I got to keep going. <laughs> So I kept going and got settled in. Well, the whole way, I'm like telling myself, this is just today. You're going to do this. This is going to be over in a few hours. And then, then this will be over and you'll have done it and no one can ever take it away from you. I'm telling myself that the whole time. Then I'm at about like mile 20, 21. And it like occurs to me, who would take it away? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> my, my whole motivation is a straw man. <laughs> what? But I finished it, and no one can ever take it away from me. Yes. Yeah. That's That's awesome. Thank you. That's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah, that's... Wow. I've never (laughs) run anywhere at all. (laughs) I did a half marathon, and I think it took me like four hours or something. Oh, it was so hard. 13 miles on your feet. I can't imagine doubling that. (laughs) It's too much. A marathon is too much. We should have learned. I mean, it comes from like someone running 26 miles and then drop dead. Why are we doing this? (laughs) Right? Yeah. That's the first, my first marathon was. It's like some Greek, it's easy to look up. He ran from one place to another to tell somebody something and that place he ran to was it was a town called marathon or something and he died and then when he got <laughs> this is a great idea let's always do it <laughs> oh my goodness what a great a tribute to this guy like, yeah we just killed you we do it for fun you know <laughs> almost like a burn on that guy like, it, look it, at us oh, doing this and surviving right. like oh yeah. <laughs> so sad now <laughs> so sad. oh my god i did not know that that's a fun fact right there yeah. how very I mean, I think we said this before, but God, Marco Robbie, what an amazing performer. She's awesome. Especially when they first show her when she's supposed to be young and she just has this, like, goofy look. (laughs) She's unbelievable as a teenager in those early scenes. She does a great job acting all the ages. Like, she acts younger than herself and older than herself Mm -hmm. in that movie very convincingly. Yeah. Like, the only other person who I can think to compare it to... the top of my head is, of course, Lawrence Pugh and Little Women. <laughs> yeah. It's so amazing. I mean, Jesus Christ, she's fucking good. <laughs> and I love her in everything. Even the movies I don't like at all, I love her in. She's just tremendous. Greetings and salutations. Today's greetings and salutations. We have not yet done Oregon. Oh, so wow. Is that it. surprising? Yes, it is surprising. It's right down the street. I guess, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to... I guess have we not... We haven't done any movies that... We're tangential to Oregon. Right. The other option would be Australia because of all the Aussies involved, <laughs> but we'll save that for another another movie. <laughs> we we weren't doing this when we did Miriam's wedding. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Oregon. Oh my God, I love Oregon so much. I love well Portland specifically, but also Bend. Mm-hmm. Bend is great and gorgeous. Hello to the I, Galuchios. And my friend Eileen is in Portland. I don't know if she listens, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> my friend Paul, I think he left Portland recently, but I don't I love Portland. Hi Portland. I love Portland. <laughs> it's so much fun. The food is so good there. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. It's the best. Best restaurants on this coast, I think. At least. I mean I haven't tried every restaurant in California, but <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorite cuisine destinations yeah. and it's just so fun there. And it's like they're like our more responsible, <laughs> cooler, older sibling. 
or younger sibling. I, don't I know. feel like they're the little sister. Yeah, they're the little, like, yeah. I feel like younger because they're it's smaller than Seattle, but younger yeah, and cooler. Yeah. And Seattle definitely has like way more boomer energy, especially these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we definitely love you, Oregon, and we love you, Tanya. <laughs> On the next episode of Paid in Puke, it's Abortion Palooza 2021. With Eliza Hitman's 2020 drama, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, starring Talia Ryder and Sidney Flanagan, and Rachel Lee Goldberg's 2020 comedy, Unpregnant, starring Haley Lou Richardson and Barbie Ferreira. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.